Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Victoria Reese, partner at Hydric and Struggles and the global managing partner of the general counsel practice and the head of the corporate officers practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Deborah Ferrone, a strategic marketing consultant to professional services and former chief marketing officer of two global law firms, Cravath and Debevoise. Deborah, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Victoria, I'm delighted to be here. At Hydric and Struggles, we are focused on leadership and agility across all industries and organizational models. To kick off this discussion, can you share the leadership capability shift from working at large firms to becoming an entrepreneur? Sure. I think there are some big, big differences, but there are similarities. You still manage a very heavy workload and you're very much aware of your own objectives and you have certain goals, but there are those big differences. When I was in-house at Cravath, and at Debevoice, I was very attuned to the fact that there were always deadlines that we were juggling. And I think on your own, you're also very attuned to the fact that you have deadlines that you are juggling very often for clients. So it's just a matter of the client has changed. It's no longer the client down the hall. It's the client who's paying that monthly bill. And you're very aware of what you can and can't do in order to get something done. I think second of all, there's this burden that you have on the outside of always making sure that you're learning. So my practice is a very bespoke practice. I work with general counsel and law firms. So you're always aware that you need to be delivering the best possible quality of work and the best service possible. So that means constantly talking to industry leaders like you at Hydric and Struggles, but also listening to the latest podcasts and studying reports and data, anything that comes out that's issued that could affect your clients, you want to know about. So that is a little bit different than being on the inside where that data is always coming to you automatically. You have experience as both a chief marketing officer and a consultant, and you authored a book, Best Practices a resource for law firm leaders on how to create and develop firm cultures to encourage business development. This was, of course, for outside counsel. Why is personal brand and network building for in-house counsel also important? Why is it critical to amplify your reputation both internally and externally? That's a great question. I really think the paradigm has changed in recent years and all of us consider each other's reputations. And we think about this very often when we're meeting someone. So very often before you're meeting with someone, even if it's in with your own company, you will check with your colleagues and you'll say, what do you think of Victoria? I'm about to meet her. What should I know? Or you'll do the mature thing and Google her just to see if there's anything you can find out. You'll look on LinkedIn and see what she writes about or what she likes or what she comments on. And I think the GC's office used to be seen as the department of no, but it's more and more important to those people who I've spoken to who are in-house 
to have very strong relationships with their line managers and their key business units. And so in making sure that those relationships are good, they're more concerned now more than ever with reputation and really understanding those lines of business. So I think we have seen this shift over the past few years. Continuing on that theme, what are the most important skill sets and capabilities for in-house counsel to highlight as they brand themselves? How do they identify the base they want to tap into both internally and externally? I tend to think of this somewhat as a visual. So if you think about concentric circles, right, one circle bigger than the next, the first circle at the very base is capability. And I think having the right capabilities is the most important. So making sure that you're an outstanding lawyer and also understanding what it is that you were lawyering for. So if you're lawyering for a particular practice of a management consulting firm, really understanding that practice, because that's going to add to your capabilities. So number one, I think that's the most important thing to concentrate on. But then I also believe that treating other in-house counsel well, and also treating the line management well, and executives well, is very key. You know, it used to be that you could maybe be a part-time jerk. You could be someone who lost their temper and you could maybe get away with it as long as you were doing it with certain people and not everyone. And I don't think that works any longer. I think reputation spreads quickly. So I do think having that reputation and really treating people well inside of the firm and also outside is important. And then lastly, I would say to look at how someone networks and how they do things like using LinkedIn. So I think the ability to network, have a really great EQ and empathy barometer with other people, I think those are skills that are a differentiator that I'm seeing in how people succeed. A recent Hydrix survey of general counsel underscored how their role has evolved in influence regarding both the decision-making processes of companies and in setting their moral direction beyond just pure legal issues. How would you advise an excellent law firm partner in making that transition when they go in-house? Deborah, what will be the learning curve for many? What I've seen is that an in-house counsel role is different because you're now living with the client. They are all around you and it's not a phone call away or a Zoom call away. If you're in your office, they're going to be next door. And I think the idea of that is that you are now not just going to be managing your relationship with your client or maybe handling some associates. You are going to need to manage up, sideways and down. People are going to be looking to you for advice on all different levels. And I think it's a more of a myriad of an experience. They're going to be people that you're handling assignments for, and they're going to be people that you're giving assignments to. And it's just a more ecosystem type of environment. But I also think that internal reputation, again, really matters and it can make or break you within any kind of an organization. So where at a law firm, you may have been known for being a great rainmaker and that was terrific. That doesn't matter as much once you're in-house. You're going to have to be someone who's known for having great relationships, doing great work, having a clear and ethical reputation. So there are going to be different things that matter. And I think staying attuned to those things is really going to be very key 
and knowing your audience, knowing what's important to them and knowing the culture of the company that you've joined. What are some of the misperceptions around in-house legal talent? How does in-house counsel build rapport with their internal clients and challenge some of the biases internally around what in-house counsel can offer? That's a great question, Victoria, and something I know that you know the answer to so well with this. You know, I think it's vital for lawyers to really know their business and to take an interest in the business so that the great lawyers that I've worked with who are on the inside have really been able to offer business advice, not just legal advice, but they're really part of the team. They're commercial. They're not seen as the department of no. And they take the time to really understand what their clients, their internal clients are doing. So they're taking time to attend meetings. They're showing that they care. They're coming up with value-added ideas to help people do their jobs. They're not seen as just the legal department. They're really seen as preferred providers as far as giving advice. Deborah, why is it important for general counsel to develop a network with peer general counsel? The obvious answer is for networking in terms of their own careers. And if they ever need a job, but really there's so much more in terms of the reasons for crafting a good network with other GCs. I think the first and most obvious is to help them keep up to speed on regulatory changes that might impact common industries. So just being able to ask someone, how are you dealing with XYZ issue? can save hours of research and it can help dispel uncertainty. It could be that there's a change in cyber regulation or you're in consumer products and maybe there are changes in packaging standards, but each industry will have its own concern. Having that network allows you to ask someone, how are they facing it and get some input. And I think second of all, comparing notes on the performance of various vendors. So this could mean in the area of legal operations, where there's a greater ability to pick and choose the framework and vendors for this area, you might want to be able to ask someone what they thought of the performance of a particular company or even why they decided to select a certain law firm. So asking if you're happy with XYZ firm and their work on a particular type of matter makes great sense. And third of all, I think when it comes to hiring people, so there are some positions where They may want to ask their network who they know, if they know of anyone who's great at compliance, or if someone in their network may have recently met with a person who's right for a particular position. There's that old philosophy, and Victoria, we've talked about this, that good people know other good people. So these types of referrals can be helpful in locating those types of folks. And fourth, I think in general, when you have a network, you become part of an influencer circle. And that means you get invited to sit on panels, you're asked questions by reporters, you're viewed as an expert in your industry. And in many cases, this is all a byproduct of the company that you keep. So I think establishing a network is really a vital part of setting yourself up for success. It's not enough to look inside an organization and think about who you're networking with within that company, but I think you need to look outside. And Victoria, I know that you've often helped introduce GCs to one another, and that's truly an invaluable gift to someone, especially if they aspire to operate at the highest level. Deborah, as we bring this conversation to a close, I wanted to ask one final question. Looking ahead, what advice would you give 
senior in-house counsel around how to build their brand and their network? I love this question. And really, I can think of three things that maybe summarize what I would ask people to do. And when I coach them individually, I very often start with these three questions. But the first is to think about who you admire. Who do you admire within your company, outside of your company, from the business standpoint? And think about those traits that they have that you value. Then I would ask myself, what am I doing to articulate and to mirror those things that I really value? So I think the first thing is to look at who you admire. Next, I would think about how it is that you want to be known, not only what kind of content you want to get out there into the world and what you want to do professionally, but also think about those values again. How is it that you want to be perceived? What's important to you? And then third, I would think about how to make connections that will help not only with reputation building and career building, but also for supportive ideas. I think it's a great asset for someone to come into a company having lots of contacts in diverse areas because those are folks that they can call on if they have a question. And having a network that is diverse and widespread and not just in your particular industry can be incredibly valuable. And it's never too late to start building a network. In fact, if someone once liked working with you and had great experience in working with you, but hasn't talked to you in 10 years, it's still a good thing to reach out to them because chances are, if they liked you at one point, they'll still like you. So I would say the third would be making those connections and building a network. Deborah, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Victoria. It was great fun. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time. <laughs>